Father, this morning, as we just have gathered in, Lord, just recognizing in the worship and the psalms and the expressions, Lord, that you are God, that you are our God, we are your people. And Father, this morning, we worship you and we give you the honor and we give you the praise. Lord, as we're standing here this morning, Lord, on the brink of closing of time and the onset of eternity. Lord, I thank you for every expression of every spirit, the prayers, the songs. But Lord, now, Lord, we ask that you'd bring us into that secret place, that chamber with you. We can look at the world around us. We can see events. But Lord, just seeing it isn't what's going to put us over. It's going to be that we're with you. And Lord, we're asking that you draw us in this morning. Father, there's many needs in our midst. Lord, I thank you for the testimonies. I thank you for your faithfulness. But Lord, we're here. And we're asking that you'd come and visit us this morning. 
bless everyone that's here and everyone that be listening in. You know every heart. Lord, as we started this very service, listen to our hearts, O oh God. And Father, we want to listen to what you are saying. We commit ourselves to you, thanking you for everything. We pray your blessing on the word, on the thoughts to be expressed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That'll be all the singing. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26. As has already been expressed in the um, prayer, right as we're ministering this morning, they are having a funeral for Sister Erica Parker, and that's happening today. Also, tomorrow morning, there'll be a funeral for Brother Billy Paul, and that's a private funeral with the family. We remember both of these. We are thankful for our brother Jerry Fox who's here. It's been expressed, Brother Jerry, so good to see you. I trust that you feel happy to be back here. <laughs> His hands are up. Also, just to let you know, Brother Bob Combe, he's at the Glen Rose Rehabilitation. We've had a chance to visit with him. He thanks everyone for their prayers. He's just uh, recovering, so at, till further notice, we'll just let you know when it's appropriate to visit him, but at this point, not just yet. So, Also tonight, we've got Brother Doug Lentz uh, who will be ministering for us. He's in town visiting his parents. Let's read from Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26, verse 1. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in the, on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Drop down to verse 8. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Drop down to verse 12. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou hast wrought all our works in us. O Lord our God, other lords beside thee have had dominion over, the, over us, but by thee only will we make mention of thy name. They are dead, they shall not live, they are deceased, they shall not rise. Therefore thou hast visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Just maybe drop down to verse uh, 16. Lord, in prayer have they visited thee, they poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. Like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain, and cried out in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. 
We have not wrought deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Let's drop to verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation of be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Um, Sister Ruth, can I ask you just to put up just the first two slides of the PowerPoint, just a couple more announcements that I would just want to make, and maybe it's just easier to do it this way. We'll just put it up, and uh, I'll be referencing a PowerPoint, a couple of clips and things today, but um, so I'll just call on Sister Ruth to help me a little bit with that, but uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be a Christian today. And uh, things are happening all around us, and we need a stability that is, that is within us. So um, is, it, is it up there? Thank you. I'm not seeing it here. I don't know why I'm not getting it. Okay. If I can get you to also, let's just turn to the book of Malachi. Maybe just, we'll read from Malachi, maybe while she's doing that. If you have your Bible and you don't need to reference there, I think it's good to turn to our Bibles, or whatever way it can be. Let me just read a little bit of that. Malachi chapter 4. I want to read the whole portion of this because I'm trying to bring a context of, of a thought here. And I'm going to try and bring a lot of little things together in summary form. Um, maybe before we read it, I, th- I see she's got it up here now. So just a couple of announcements here for... Uh, upcoming, and uh, today we have um, Brother Doug Lentz coming here. Uh, later this week, on, on Thursday evening, I'll be traveling away for about 10 days. I'm going to be away two weekends. Uh, there's a convention in Nigeria at the church of, former church of Brother John Ogu. They've got a major anniversary convention, and I was invited to come. And so um, I'll be there on October 30th to November 5th, but before that I'm stopping in Ghana for a few days. I'll be with Brother Samuel Taylor and the church in Cape Coast. So I'll be gone on the uh, 26th and I'll be back on the 6th. So I'd appreciate you keep me in prayer and uh, we're just looking for the Lord's leadership in all of these things. While I'm gone, you've got the, the deacons to refer to. Brother Andrew was also here to assist in, in some of the ministerial duties, the other brothers as well. So I just keep us in prayer, and we'll keep you in prayer. I also wanted to say, so that's the next, this today, that's the next two weekends. Um, we'll have, I'll be back November 12th, but on November 19th, I just want to make mention now, we, we're coming close to our year end, and we need to conduct some church officer elections, and that will happen on that day as part of the Sunday morning service to also let you know that we will be um, um, making available for those that can't come um, online, and we'll give you more details. But 
we do need for a day like that um, um, a representation of the church to be here for the elections to be official, but those are church officer elections. And then that evening, Brother John Andes is actually in town, um, and he will minister for us that evening. The following Wednesday, we're going to have a church business meeting, and again, there will be some discussion of, of church order and different things that we're going to go through, but that'll be on the 22nd. And then taking a bit of a quantum leap ahead, just so you can keep that in mind, but this year, um, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, so on December 24th, we're going to have on Sunday morning a, a 10 a.m. one morning service only, and then you'll be free to be with your families and such. There'll be no service in between in the week, and then the following Sunday, that is January 31st, we're going to have a morning service, and then after the morning service in the evening, we're going to have a, a gathering, an evening potluck supper, and that'll be a hall gathering in the evening on New Year's Eve. Is that okay? Can anybody say they weren't warned? I, I tried to speak it, I tried to show it to you, I tried to give you time, and so we'll repeat it again, but is that all right? I just wanted to make that, uh, make that known. Thank you. Sister Ruth, you can turn that off just for the moment, and I'll get you to go back to the Scriptures as we read Malachi 4. Sorry to interrupt you that way. Malachi 4, verse 1, for behold, the day cometh and shall burn as an oven, and all the proud and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. Now, I want you just to, when we read some of these things, I know we've heard them, but I want you to view this as the eternal voice of God. Heavens and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Every word will be fulfilled. Now, Malachi represents a very uh, pertinent scripture for us in this day, but I want you to take the greater context of that day. And it says, Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. So that's what's just ahead of us. But now here is the, the preamble to that. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Now, I want you just to hold that thought what is in his wings. And you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, so there's, there's something appointed to the world, but there's also something that is appointed to a people. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember you the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with statues and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Brother Branham was not something that was just a product of gifts and signs out of Pentecost. It was ordained in the scripture for the day that we're living in. And it was necessary that it would do the next part. That's in verse 6. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 
Now, it does us good to remind ourselves of these things, not just as buzzwords for what we believe. I'm, I'm, and I'm going to come to this, the Lord willing, in the service, but I want us to be able to put ourselves in the Scripture. What do I believe? What does God speak to me? We, we, can, make, we can make statements, you know, for the bride and, and what we see and where we are, but it has to come down to here to us as individuals. And I will say increasingly so in the days to come. Go back with me to Deuteronomy 32 for a moment. Deuteronomy 32, this will bring context to my title in verse 7. We'll read verses 7 to 12. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee, and thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them and beareth them on her wings, so alone the Lord did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. I'll use this as a title today, Under His Wings, and if I can use a subtitle, Drawn to His Chamber. And maybe if I need to, and I, if you can just bear this one scripture, Sister Ruth, can I have you turn to the book of Ruth, please, for, for a moment? Ruth chapter 2. And if I can just take this, and I'll come back to this more towards the end. Ruth chapter 2. And this is Boaz speaking to Ruth in verse 12. Ruth chapter 2, verse 12. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. So I, my subject, under his wings, but as a subtitle, really, it is drawn to his chamber. Can you put up um, now, if I can, that PowerPoint again? And I'll just give you a few moments to that. So as I want to today bring a number of thoughts, and I'm going to bring some descriptively, and I'll try and move quickly. There's a, there's a place of the message that refers to the whole context of the world. And I, I believe we're sitting on a, on a prefaces where we can see that. There's also a part that pertains to Israel, and that is coming very much in the forefront. We've always known it to be, but Israel really has been in the forefront since the beginning of the century, heightened at the time of the Second World War when there was a holocaust and they were driven back to their land. But now in the end of time, at the closing of the Gentile dispensation, it is coming again. And, I, and we need to really be focused on this part. So there's also the part of Israel. Then there's the part of the church world. And then there's also the part to the bride as a whole, 
And lastly, there is the part to the individual. So I, I want to just bring that. So as we take this PowerPoint and as we move this a little further, I'm going to take this. Um, uh, uh, this is something I've shown before, but I want to bring it as a summary. And it's a bit of a timeline. And another brother had put this together. But if I can use this just to show you, there, there's three 2,000-year periods. The first 2,000 years was the time of Noah and the flood. The second 2,000 years was the time to the coming of Jesus. The last 2,000 years is the time of the Gentiles. So we have gone from Jesus in an earthly ministry to 2,000 years, but we're coming to this event, and we're moving to it. So let's add some context to it. During this time, there has been seven church ages. So we've had seven church ages, but at the end thereof, now this is to the Gentiles. This is historical. This is the time of Paul. This is the time of Irenaeus. This is the time of, 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 of all the other messengers that came. That was Martin and Columbo and Luther and Wesley and all of them that came were, were, had a part. It's historical. But underlying to that, there was an inspiration that we didn't understand. We didn't understand what motivated them. They didn't understand what motivated them. Luther had no idea why he stood the way he stood. But in this last day, God has given us another picture. And that picture is not just the seven church ages, but it is also the four horse riders and the four anointings that came in underneath that. So we know that under the first three church ages, that was an opening revealed to us under the first seal. And the first seal had a particular anointing. And, and really, from the time of, of the coming out, the lion anointing, it then moved into an ox anointing, and there was already a beginning of a persecution in the very beginning but yet they had something within them, the boldness of a lion. And then it moved into the other church ages where they now took on the ox anointing, the burden, and they bore it, and they labored with it, and, and it came to a certain point. But at the time of the fifth, it changed again. So there was the second, there was the third. You could actually say there's more of an overlap here. But the third seal, that, that represented now the man anointing that was under the reformers, the age of the reformation. Now, I'm bringing this as a summary, and don't let this just be knowledge, because there's, there's something coming. There ought to be a picture that we see. And not just see the picture, but we need to see where our part is in the picture. So there's the third seal. Now, it came to, through Luther, through Wesley, through Pentecost, all under the man anointing. And in fact, the message came under first and second pull, really under a man anointing. But then there was a change, and how often the prophet would talk about it. Now he, he would talk, now there's an eagle anointing. Now there's something, he was no longer in control. God was in control of him. He didn't, he didn't demonstrate a sign like he did with first and second pull under third pull. The third pull controlled him. So now the, that came in and it ushers in the fourth seal. Now, I, as I go through this, I want you to look at how many events are coming together in terms of history, in terms of anointing, in terms of the world, in terms of Israel, in terms of God's economy. 
right now as we live. It's, it is happening faster and faster and faster. So we're, we're here right at this time, the fourth seal opening. Now let's just go a step further. There was these anointings we talked about, the lion anointing, the, the ox or the calf anointing. There was next of all the man anointing. And lastly, there is the eagle anointing. So all of these anointings were there. They were symbolized by four horse riders. So if we go a step further, and if I can just say it, it was right at the end of all of this time that an event happened that Brother Branham actually referred to as the most sublime moment in the Scripture. Now, we all would have loved to be there when Jesus was there. I would have loved to be there when, when he rode in. Uh, you know, your king comes to you on the foal of an ass and, and, and all of these things, and, and, and everybody was moved, and there was all kinds of things going on. But I, I will say, I would have loved to be there but yet that only paved the way for the day that we're in today. If we could understand this, if God could give us this understanding. Let me, let me go a little further. So now it would take, after that, bringing the Jews into the picture, the fifth seal, which is the souls under the altar, which even Brother Branham didn't know that it pertained to the Jews until God opened it to him. I, 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 want, I want us to just be able to take this Bible. This Bible has been around and, and, and from the time that it was put together and it's been read, it's been read, it's been read, but the understanding has never been opened until the day we live in. And, and in fact, I ought to say it this way is the Bible I read as a youth is a, big, is a bigger Bible to me. Nothing has changed, but the part that God has opened is increasing, and it's increasing, and it's not just up here. It's actually reflected in our hearts. It ought to be more real. It ought to, when, when all those horse riders would, would say, they would utter a noise and say, and then I come, there ought to be a response. <coughs> Now, I'll, i, I got to just do this in the order I need to take it. Lastly, there's the sixth seal, the great tribulation, which is really ushered in on the other side of the rapture, but it was made known at the time of the six seals. And I, if I can say this, as the prophet would talk about the, the movement from the sixth church age to the seventh, he said one age was simply an extension of the other. And he would do a short, quick work relative to the time span. But we see, if you look at the world and the groaning of the world, it is ushering in a tribulation. And I would not want to be here for that tribulation period. And I'm saying, we're still on this side. So we want to be able to take that and move with it. So now if we take it a step further... That sixth seal actually extends, a part of it extends onto this side. There's a physical, but there's also a spiritual. Can you hear, can you, hear, can you follow me? I'm just trying to bring things together. <coughs> now, there's tribulations, there's judgments, but all of this now culminates into a little space of time a breach where the seven church ages have ended, and it's the beginning of the ushering in of eternity, but the prophet would refer to it as the bride age. Now, it's not a separate age, but it's actually an age within the age. 
We still have Laodicea around us. We still have all of the lukewarmness. We got a battle. But now God is dealing with the people as it pertains to the bride. And it's different than his dealing with what we call foolish virgin. And I would say, I don't look down on foolish virgin. They don't have that something in them that God placed in me that longs for the fullness. Why? The word was there, but there had to be something. There had to be a people that longed to receive it. Now, <clears throat> let's just reduce it to this, which we spoke on last weekend. The rapture is a threefold coming. First Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now that scripture was by Paul. It's been used at funerals. It's been used as pertaining to something that's afar off. But no longer is that afar off. Because a shout has gone forth. There's a voice that is rising, and the last thing is the trump to call us a little higher. Then we which are alive and remain, now it's bringing the earthly together with those that are on the other side. And I would say this morning, I, I almost feel like there's more over there than are left on earth. There is Billy Paul over there. Brother Harold is over there. There are men of God that are over there. Brother Beaton is over there. They're all over there. And if we could look beyond the curtain of time, they are calling us. My grandmother's over there. There are people that we've known that are over there. Brother Uwe, your father is over there. There are people, and they're looking at us. And if we could catch the picture that they're seeing, and we could be moved to recognize the part we have to play. <coughs> so, <coughs> shout, voice, and a trumpet. So, <coughs> the shout is the prophet's message. The call, the bridegroom cometh. A bridegroom responds, behold, the bride has made herself ready. A voice, the same voice that called Lazarus from the grave the resurrection of the sleeping bride. Now I'm going to ask you, where is that voice coming from? Because it's, it's in, in, the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the, uh, the Holy Ghost series, Brother Bannon would say, there'll come a time when what's in us is going to become so great that it will literally call those saints, call those saints from the grave. That's the time we're living in. I communicated a little bit with Brother Donnie, and I just expressed from the church, we sent flowers, and there's a number of brothers, ministers that are gathering, and maybe we would have gone to show our support, but being that I'm going away next week, it wasn't conducive to that. And I just said to him, Brother Donnie, I've never seen a time where around the face of the earth, in unison, there's been such a cry on behalf of a situation like your daughter. And for such a time, and it was at the end of all of that is God said, no, not yet, not this time. But I believe there's a time coming 
When, when that cry will be so great and so universal amongst the people, even so, come Lord Jesus, come, that God will finally say, okay, it's done. The curse is over. Now the final phase of redemption is going to be the body change. That whole translation, that is coming. But we're building to it. It is coming on the scene. Now, the voice, finally the trump, that is the call to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the catching away. Now, Brother Bannon would say, Jesus does all three as he descends. So we're in a cycle where the, the shout is already gone, the voice is rising, and I want to be a part of that voice. It's not my voice, it's his voice, but it's in a bride. She is him. Now, let's go back to this. So here we are, we see this whole scene. Here's a part for Israel. Here's the world, the tribulations, the opening. But finally, there's this thing called the seventh seal, the coming of the Lord, <coughs> which, which is mysterious in a manner. And I'm, I'm going to come to this in a point. And Brother Bam would say, it ushers in the millennium. Now, as, as we took it last week, or the, maybe the, yeah, it was last week, the ushering in is taking place. So it starts here because even under the third exodus, Brother Brandon would say, the first exodus took a natural people out of a natural land. The, third, the second exodus took a spiritual people out of a natural. But the third exodus takes a bride out of the church. And it says the third exodus brings us right into the millennium. So it actually is starting here. This is not just, just us being separated as a group. We are, but it is the ushering in. It is bringing the sleeping saints. It's bringing alive those that are alive and remain. It is a great thing. I, I, I don't believe we really understand it completely, but let's just go on here. So now, in terms of timeline, after the rapture, there is three and a half years of tribulation. So let's just, let's just catch the significance Everything that's been, but now look at all the events. The rapture, three and a half years of tribulation. Then it is the battle of Armageddon. You know, you mention Armageddon, everybody's ears perk up. They know Armageddon's coming. Then there is the millennium, 1,000 years. The rest of the dead lived not 1,000 years. <coughs> After that... We come into eternity. So the millennium, then there is sort of the battle of Gog and Magog. A lot of people will put Gog and Magog as something that's happening right now. It actually happens in the, in the future. Brother Branham deals with it. Future home, you can take different places. Then there is the great white throne judgment. That's at the end of all of that. So, and finally, eternity. So here we are. Look where we are right now. Friends, when it comes to this, when it, when it comes that God starts this three and a half years is there's not one being saved. We think, oh, time will go on. This is happening. Some of the events that are happening right now with Israel are moving towards tribulation. 
So it's not a time just to sit back and be a gazer. I, if I want to look at that, I want to look from on high while there's a marriage supper going on. That's where I want my view to be. And, and now while I'm here, I want to make everything right before God. So let's just take now the Gentile portion. Maybe I'll go back on this. So removing the Jews, removing all of that, the church ages. Here we are, the bride age. So for the Gentiles, there's a rapture. Then there's a millennium. There's a great white throne judgment. When she is sitting on the throne with him, judging the people and eternity. But there's a lot of other things that are around that. But if we can boil down the part that pertains to us. Is that all right? That's what I'm trying to get to. Now, <coughs> the bride age. So this is where we're at right here. If we can expand, here is the seven church ages. But now all of this is right where we are, the bride age, the rapture, and then it's going to be what's left after that is Jesus and the bride and the millennium, and it all goes after that. So I tried to paint that as a picture. Is that all right? Okay, you can turn that off, Sister Ruth. Go with me just for a moment, if you can. Actually, Sister Ruth, can I get you to put that first clip, get that first clip before we turn to Scripture? I, I referred to Zechariah chapter 12 um, in in, uh, on, on, uh, when, uh, last Sunday, but I want to refer back to it. But to, to lay the framework for it, let's just take this. If you can play this clip. Thank you. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has declared war on Hamas after the Gaza-based militant group launched an unprecedented surprise attack on Saturday. In what was the biggest attack on Israel in years, Palestinian militants launched a barrage of more than 5,000 rockets in a coordinated attack by land, sea and air. The Hamas military commander called the assault Operation Al-Aqsa Flood and urged Palestinians everywhere to fight against Israeli occupation. Rockets were fired from the Gaza Strip as far north as Tel Aviv. Gunmen also entered the country from the south in a stunning infiltration of Israel's defences. Hamas said it had taken over several Israeli villages in the country's south. Gunfire could be heard echoing across the town of Sterot, which lies less than a mile from the Gaza Strip. 
Residents have been warned to stay inside while emergency responders activated amidst the fighting. Palestinian families across Gaza have begun fleeing their homes in fear of Israeli retaliation. Israel's defense force is the Middle East's most formidable. Made up of 169,000 active duty troops and 465,000 reservists, it is supplied with some of the world's most advanced drones and weaponry. The U.S. provides Israel with $3.8 billion in annual military assistance. Saturday's attack holds deep significance for Israel as the country has just marked 50 years after the Yom Kippur War. In that conflict in 1973, Egypt, Syria and other Arab countries launched a war on Israel on the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. In response, Israel's military launched airstrikes on what it said were Hamas targets in Gaza. Now just remember this and watch it close. We are in for the end time. Watch geographically where your wars are coming down, see. Watch the Gog up there coming down, see, down in Turkey and so. The battles are not be settling Korea, over there, Palestine, see. We're, we're near. Now don't forget that this is the last age. We know that this is the last age because Israel has gone back to Palestine. And the Gentiles are called out. The bride's ready. The rapture is at hand. Can we realize that? Can we actually believe that? Is it a story that's been told? Is it a myth to us? Is it a something that sounds real? Is it something that we outside can believe? Or is it something that's in us? That's part of us. That it's more than life to us. What attitude do we sit in this morning in this tabernacle? Remember, it'll be a small flock that receives it. Now in the homeland, waiting for the trumpets. Now, waiting for the going of the bride so that Revelations 11 can be fulfilled. The church age has ceased. The seals have been opened that prove what they left out in the church age. And the message has been given. Israel is on the scene. Hallelujah. Ready. Where are the beasts of trumpets? Oh, you men in other lands, or you'll hear this tape. Can't you wake up, my brother? Or does it blind you? Would you throw it out and call it false prophecy when it's vindicated right before you by the world? by the time, by the peoples, by the Holy Spirit who wrote it. It's vindicated both naturally, spiritually, materially. Everything that he said is fulfilled and proven. Israel in her land drove them in there, herded them in there like sheep. The wolves got after her. 
and run back to safety to their own land. Remember, Israel's only promised to be blessed as long as she was in her land. God never blesses Israel outside of the land. Abraham went outside the land was condemned. Everyone that leaves the land is condemned. God only can bless Israel when she stays in her homeland. And she's there now as a nation. And the church is called. She's just only waiting for the rapture of the bride. Taken out. The seals are open. It's revealed to us. We see what they left off. Israel is on the scene. Hallelujah. Ready. Where are the beasts of trumpets? on for a moment. I trust you can ask yourself this. Where, how would I see things if God had not sent a prophet? I would be as confused as the rest of the world. I would be in fear. I would be wondering. But you know what? God has revealed these things not for just knowledge not just that we might say that we know. No, it's actually for a purpose. And it's there to direct us to our position. Now I have another clip. I'm going to leave it. Sister Ruth, I'm going to ask you rather to take, let's just go to, I'm just, as I'm, I'm really just following the Lord here now. Let's go to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, if you will. Matthew 21, let's just read. Let's read verse 21. And when they drew nigh unto, in verse 1, sorry, chapter 21. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage and unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Now, he's coming to fulfill the word. Now, there's prophecy laying in Zechariah chapter 9. Your king comes to you. And now he's bringing some players into the scene. And he has two disciples, and now he gives them this command. And he says, go into the village over against you, and straightway you will find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. Now, they are under the direct command of the Lord. And we are also under the Lord of the harvest. And he's saying now, and he actually tells them, and if any man asks you what you're doing, say ought to you, say, the Lord has need of him, and straightway he will send them. So it's not, it, it is Jesus on the scene, it was a prophet on the scene. You can say it was more than a prophet, it was the son of man on the scene. But there also had to be other players on the scene. There also had to be a bride. There had to be a ministry. There had to be a gospel that was spread. There had to be people that receive it. There was people that had to spread it. We are part of the picture, if we can see it. And he says, 
And all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. And this is out of Zechariah. Tell you the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king comes upon an ass and a colt of the foal of the ass. And disciples went and Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put them on their clothes and set them thereon. Now, look, look at all the preamble that was going on to this. Who was privy to it? Jesus' disciples, those that he called. And in fact, you might say that even Jesus initiated it by telling them to get this colt. And when this colt came, it started to set in motion certain things. Now, we often sit back and we look like, oh, look at what's happening over there. Look what's happening over there. And we fail to realize the part that we are playing in all of this. If there's not a bride on the scene, if there's not a rapture, if there's not the conclusion of the Gentile age, nothing can happen. But we must be getting close. We must be moving to something. We read out of Isaiah where it's like a, a woman coming to birth pains. Listen, we're on a course that you can't stop. It's got to come to a conclusion. There is no way out. It's coming to a head. And so now all of the disciples, and, and now as they began to move to fulfill it, now it started to affect others. And a great multitude spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes, now it's, it's affecting everyone around. Here, here it's affecting others. And, and, and they cried, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, look at this. All the city was moved. I, if I can say it today, th this little conflict, this is in Jerusalem right now. It is affecting not just Jerusalem. It's not just over there. It's, it's, at, a, it's at a demonstration near you. It, it's, it's reflecting. Some students at Harvard sided with the Palestinians, put out declarations right after the movement, and already sponsorship to Harvard has dropped by 30% one of the top nations. There, there is technological summits coming up. Facebook and Meta. Facebook, which actually, or sorry, WhatsApp, which actually was, the technology was given by Israelis. They're the ones who developed and sold it. But there's, because of the world siding with it, the Israel component said, we're not attending this summit. Friends, this is, this is, coming right around us right now. The, the, the Friday after the, the Saturday and the Sunday, Saturday incursion, there was demonstrations, there was call to arms around the world. There was a demonstration in London of 100,000 Palestinians. All the world is being affected. All the city is moved just like it was in Jesus' time. What is it? Listen, listen to the scripture. And when he was come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Something's happening. They can't put their finger on, who is this? 
And in the meantime, there's a little group of people who had the insight, who are part of the picture. They know exactly what's happening. And they are moving according to the scripture, according to the revelation, according to the authority that he is giving them. And he, when he comes, these scriptures have been laying here for thousands of years, but in this last time, under the authority of Jesus Christ, we are being moved by something greater. It is not just a, a man or prophet or, or a gathering. It is Almighty God saying it's time. It needs to be loosed. We are in this season. Now, let's go back for a moment. I'm, I got. I got to just give it a little more foundation here. Zechariah twelve. Are you with me this morning? <coughs> I would have probably liked one more service before I was leaving, but I'm going to try and condense this a little bit. I just want to be able to get off my chest what I really feel I need to bring today. Zechariah twelve. The burden of the Lord, burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundations of the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. In that day, what day is this? If you take all the places in the scripture that say, in that day, in that day, and go from the New Testament, there's never been a day like this day. There's never been a day. Oh, let's not just... I know we've heard this for many years. But friends, there's something moving us. Listen, let me, let me, take, let me take this quote and insert it in a moment here. I'll, I'll come to it. Let me finish the thought. In that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. And all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. Everybody that wants to tinker, everybody that has an opinion, everybody that wants to do something, it's, it's going to affect them one way or the other. Though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Oh, right now it's United States is still there. United States, because there's a big Jewish population. We used to have a prime minister that would stand with them. Our current prime minister is. But I'll tell you what, that will not last Neither will, it, will, it will the USA last, neither will the nations last, because Israel's going to do something that's going to take them too far. And I will say, it will be something that the world cannot understand. And, and, and really, it goes back to their inheritance. And I'm trying to bring that into here today. It goes back to their inheritance. This land has been Jewish land for over 5,000 years. We're not just talking about 1967 or, or that kind of thing. That's all the world sees. But what the real Israelis see is 5,000 years ago, our father Abraham was given this land. And our friends say, friends, what? they are being moved by is what we need to be moved by. We're not just dealing with the recovery of what was in Pentecost, but we're going all the way back to what Adam lost in the beginning. When Adam lost his rights, that's what we're coming back to. And we need to be possessed with a spirit that's saying, that's my inheritance. I was robbed. In my genetics, something passed in my families. I had weaknesses in my flesh. Maybe things in my spirit. But the atonement is to wipe out all those things and to bring us back. 
Oh, I, I found one. If you want to be consumed by something, be consumed by this. Not all of Israel is Israel. There's a military component. There's a political component. There is a national component. But there's also in the middle of all of this 144,000. That's the ones under his wings. Everything is happening. But in the chamber, there's 144,000 gathering. There's a bigger picture. You can go on every commentary. Secular churches, they're all talking about Israel. They're all giving. But there's very few that put that together in time with the bride. Now, let me bring this out of Zechariah. I I could, you could read right from verses 1 to 8, but let me just take verse 8, or verse 7 rather, sorry. The Lord shall save the tents of Judah first. Now Judah represents the spiritual component of Israel. And the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem and that he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. And the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. God is turning He's turning his heart. He's, they're coming against them. But he's going to stand with them. He's going to come with them. Now I'm going to say the same thing. Because what happens naturally happens spiritually. And God is already taking a bride. He is not taking her through a tribulation. But as we hear the word, as we submit ourselves, as we're chastened through trials, what is it doing? We're being prepared as a bride for a bridegroom. We are being, his favor already has been expressed on us. He's standing for you. Do you stumble? Absolutely. Do you fail? Absolutely. But there's something in our heart that ought to say, grace, 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 the grace of God that is upon us. There's a chamber that's being put to to us. Oh my, I don't know if I'm going to get it all out today. God help me. Let me take this part. So there's natural Israel. Now, verse 10. I will pour upon the house of David... And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications. Let me just pause for a moment there. We love the military component of Israel. We just want to see the military going and strike and this and this. But I will say Israel will not be successful until they first come to their atonement. Until they recognize the one that they pierced. And he says this. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him. As one that mourns for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him. As one that is in bitterness. For his firstborn. In that day. There shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem. 
in the morning of Hadrimim in the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, their wives apart, the family of Shimei apart, their wives, all the, the families that remain, every family apart and their wives apart. And then chapter 13, in that day there shall be a fountain opened in the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. It's not just the natural part. They have to come as we have to come to recognize the atonement. And we have to be respectful of the atonement. Not just a disconnect, Jesus died for me and therefore I am saved. No, but that actually is inbred in me. It reflects in my attitude, in my conduct. I, 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 I wear these garments of grace and it changes my attitude. It changes, why? It's a fabric. It's part of us. And it's got to happen to Israel. Now, just, just take this thought. You can just turn that off for a moment, Sister Ruth. Now, just remember this, the type of the story of Joseph. Joseph, he, he, was, he was in, sold into slavery, lived in Egypt, put into a, in Potiphar's house again and again. He was dropped down, but in a moment, God brought him up, and he held him there, and he showed him a dream, and he began to reign, just as Jesus reigned. And it was going to be now seven years of famine. But now listen, here he comes, and in the middle of all of this, the famine affects the whole world. And it causes Jacob's, or his father Jacob and his family to come to Egypt. And they come to Egypt, and we all know the story, but I want to come to one point. They come to Egypt, they get their grain, God's already dealing with them. Finally it brings, it couldn't happen until Benjamin was in place. And Benjamin was not part of the first trip to Egypt. Benjamin had to be part of the last trip. This gathering of Israel is the Benjamites, the 144,000. And now look at, here's the final thing. While all of this is happening, while Zechariah 12 and 13 are being fulfilled, there was a bride in the palace. She was there already. But now God... Hey, no, here, here God shows his program. Here's Joseph in the middle of all of it. And Joseph, a prominent position, but now he ushers everybody out of the room. No one of the house of Pharaoh was in the room. And Joseph reveals himself to his brethren. And it causes a mourning and a weeping, and they don't understand why. And Joseph types it out. He says, God did it that he might save lives, Gentile lives, that God being full of mercy. And now there's something happened in this little chamber that nobody knows anything about. And the Jews come out from that, and now they're empowered, not by armies or by weapons from the USA, by support from there but now they're empowered by the living God that's going to stand for them
And it brings you to Zechariah 14. Let's just take it. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as he fought in the day of battle. Now, here's where it's coming to. This is the showdown. I really wanted to get to the showdown today, and I'm not even going to get to it. But if you want to read it, pick up your pen and write. Jesus will be the showdown between the denominations and the bride. That's the last showdown for the Gentiles. The message is under attack. It, it may not be comfortable to stand for the message. Pressures may increase. But like Israel, which cannot deny their original inheritance, we cannot deny that this was a restoration of my lost inheritance as Adam sold it out to me. And therefore, I will stand... Don't ask me why. I won't be able to. God help me that the message is embedded in me. That I'm not being moved by the multitudes, but I'm being moved by something God put in me. And it said, and his feet shall stand on that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a great valley, and half the mountain shall remove from the north, etc. I could read all of this, but let me just tie this together with verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. A gray day, a gloomy day, something like outside right now. Spiritually speaking. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at the evening time it shall be light. We'll walk in the light as he is in the light. Don't take this for granted. Friends, if you've ever, if you don't take my words, take the voice of the prophet you just heard, recognizing your day and its message. Let's jump ahead. I have another clip I could read, but I, we're going to share. I'm going to skip it. I want to just take this and tie this in for a moment. Now, let, let's, let's do this. I, I'm going to make reference to this. I'm not going to turn to it. Revelations 1 to 3, church ages. Revelations 4 and Revelations 5, you could actually call the time period of the breach. Revelation 6 is the seven seals, or six of the seven seals is opened. And under the sixth seal, there's a loosing of four angels. You'll find this in Revelation 6, 12 to 17. There's a loosing of four angels and 200 million horsemen, which Brother Branham calls demons. And he said, he gave names to those demons. Eichmann, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin. And what did they do? They slaughtered the people, naturally speaking. Now, those demons are also loosed on the bride. And why do you have, why do I have battles? Because those demons are coming against us. 
Now, at the, under that sixth seal, and I gave you the timeline. Now, Brother Ram says, at the time of the sixth seal, the seven trumpets sound. And the seven trumpets, sorry, I, I, I referred to this wrong. The sixth seal is the interruption of nature. The sixth trumpet is the loosing of the 200,000,000 demons. I wanted to get to that. If I would have been reading it, I would have read it for you correctly. So you'll find that. You'll find the interruption of nature, the beginning of tribulation and judgment under the sixth seal, Revelation 6. Under Revelation 9, verse 13, is the loosing of the four angels and the 200,000 horsemen. Okay? But now, then the next thing is Revelation 7, which is the calling of 144,000 and the remnant that are left from the tribulation. Revelations 8, it's the beginning of the trumpets. Uh, sorry, it's the beginning. I, I better look at it here because I had it and I was going to read it and I would have had it. So, the, the Revelations 8, the opening of the seven seals, seven trumpets, and it, and it talks about these, these trumpets that sounded, goes into Revelations chapter 9. Now, after Revelations chapter 9, it goes to Revelations chapter 10. And if you don't take my word, read it in the message. But Brother Bram says, Revelations 10 comma, the seventh seal. That's what he says. I didn't say that. He said it. Okay? Now, Revelations 10, we all got acquainted with verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the prophet. That's what attracted us. Now, there's an, an attraction that is an unfolding attraction. Okay. There's a prophet on the scene. And, and, we love to hear for a season Perry Green. We love to hear the testimony of Brother Isco. We love to hear Brother Doug McHugh's and the others that were around. We love to hear those things. And then we realize Revelations 10 verse 7 starts with the word but, which is a conjunction, which means something happened before. What happened before? Revelations 10, verses 1 through 6. A mighty angel descended. Seven thunders uttered their voices. Listen, these are events that are happening around us. So Revelations 10 was a threefold manner. There was a prophet on the scene. There was a mighty angel. That, and, he, and he said, the seventh angel is on earth at the time of his coming. This mighty angel's coming. And there's also a people on earth. Identified in Revelations 8. In Revelations 10, verses 8 through 11, take the book out of the hands of the mighty angel. Eat the book. It'll make your belly taste good in your it'll taste good in your mouth, but it'll be bitter in your belly. And out of that, you must prophesy again. So there's the seventh seal to the bride. Then there is Revelations 11, which is the seventh trumpet to Israel. And you listen how Brother Bannum relates the two. And I'm saying a lot of this verbally. I'm not going to read all my quotes. But he says, the two pertain to each other. Let's go to Revelations 11. We'll read this part. Revelations 11. You want to fast forward? You want, you want to catch a video clip of what's going to be one day? Just, just picture this as we read it here today. Revelations 11. If you, if you read in, in verses 1 and 2, it talks about the temple of God and how it's measured and there's a period of time given to the Gentiles but then it talks about the holy city which shall be treaded under in verse 2, 42 months, three and a half years. 
And there's going to be two witnesses. And they'll prophesy 1,200. It's the same three and a half years. And, and if you draw, and he says, they're two olive trees, like two candlesticks, verse 5. If any man hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth, devours their enemies. How is God standing for his people? He'll, he'll come. There'll be a literal coming to Israel. But how is he standing for them in their breach, in their three and a half period? He's giving them two prophets with a message that will reveal the same Jesus Christ to them. And while he's revealing its judgment to the earth around them in this tribulation period, how are we standing? Through the prophet that God has sent us, through the word that he has given us. It is the revealing of the Son of Man. Not just the revealing of a Son of Man, but the Son of Man, the bridegroom. That's who we're falling in love with. And he says, if any man hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth, devours their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut the heavens, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Which prophet had the power to do that? Elijah. And have power over the waters to turn them to blood. Which prophet had power to do that? Moses. And he says, and to smite the earth with plagues, as they oft will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and overcome them and kill them. Just, just picture this. This is going to be near the end of three and a half years. Whatever they had power to do was so powerful that finally this beast came out and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, which, where are also our Lord was crucified. What city is it? Jerusalem. A burdensome stone. If you've seen some of the image, and maybe you, you don't have a stomach, but some of the graphic images of Israelis laying in the streets and the atrocities that have been given to them. Picture now two prophets that are laying dead in the streets of Jerusalem. And listen to this now. And of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the graves. The same spirit that mocked Samson. The same spirit that, would, 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 that is governed by a Hamas people in the earth today. And now listen, verse 10. And they that dwell on the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. How is the world going to see this? It's easy. CNN, live video feed. Hey, here they are, and interviews with the leaders of the countries. Oh, praise, the, praise be to, 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 they can't say praise be to God because they're against God already. Friends, the wheels are turning all around us. We're just about coming to November. November 11th is before us. 
The Canadian government has issued a directive to all the military chaplains. You cannot say a prayer. You cannot refer to the Bible. You cannot make a prayer in the name of even the Heavenly Father. In the nation of Canada. Where are we moving to? It's happening right around us. I appreciate the songs this morning, Brother Ray. They really are. Let, let us recognize our day and its message. Here these two prophets are laying in the street. We see the images. We're a step away from it. It's happening right now. But here it's going to happen in a fulfillment. Now here's the other part of this. Verse 13, verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God enters them and they stand up on their feet. Oh, I would love to be a part of that video feed. Here's the reporter standing beside you and just giving it. Okay, what, tell us what you see. Well, their bodies are laying right there. And, and then the reporter's looking at him and said, hey, hold it, hold it. Lady, there's something happening behind you. They're standing up. Yeah. Our God is God. There is no other. He's the only one. It's going to happen. That's the natural. What about the spiritual? He will stand for his bride. He will stand for his people. We ought to take faith like never before. Sister Ruth, can you put up the PowerPoint again? Can you give me 15 minutes, please? Please. I'm sorry, I don't like doing this, but I, I need to get this off my heart today. Three Jewish feasts. Now, there's actually seven, but there's three gatherings. Three times shall you keep a feast unto me in the year. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. The first is Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Day of First Fruits. That happens in the first month of the year, which is typically in the spring as we would know it. Then, seven weeks later, typing out Pentecost, there's another gathering. And it's called the Feast of Weeks. Now, this is a yearly cycle. But it's also the entire cycle of God in time. And we have passed our Passover, Jesus Christ. Our day of unleavened bread, our day of first fruits. We have come to Pentecost. The Pentecostal feast endures for seven church ages. So there are seven months between this and the next gathering. The Pentecostal feast, the filling of the Holy Ghost. Listen, Luther was moved by the Holy Ghost. Luther had a dip of the Spirit, Brother Branham says. Wesley had a part of it. Pentecost had a part of it. So must we. Not just a baptism, but to make way for the Holy Ghost Himself. Not just a gift, but a fullness. Now there's the last gathering in the seventh month. And in the seventh month, on the tenth day, Esther went in. Un, un, unto, sorry, in the tenth month of the seventh day, Esther went in unto the king. There's a type there. I'm not going to get into it. There is what's called the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then there's this Feast of Tabernacles. 
Now, I, I, I really, I took this some years back. I took a service on each one. But this is a quick summary. Feast of trumpets. What is the feast blowing them to the trumpets? It's calling them back to the atonement. It's calling them back to Zechariah 12. Not a re-killing of the sacrifice, but a recognition of the sacrifice. And it changes their attitude. They will not be the Jews that are the hook-nosed Wall Street type. They will be the redeemed of the Lord. They will be the true people of God. They were blinded for my sake. They are God's people. That's what they're being called for. What is the opening of the seals? There's a portion of the trumpets that has brought Israel into the picture. And we're here at this time. And while all of that is going on, it's a day of trumpets. It's a day of atonement, Zechariah 12. But there's also another feast that's concluding. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. Did you know that was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles that Israel was attacked? 50 years from 1973. There are things coming together. I, listen, these are numbers that are just, I notice, they're not scriptural, but I'm just saying, where are we at? Now, all seven Jewish peace feasts are kept in the same place. A beautiful type. Every church age produced a part of the word, and whenever they produced it, they saw the light. All feasts, seven feasts must be in one place. Therefore, the seven age, church ages had to come from one single place, Christ speaking in all seven church ages. The 50 days have passed over. The Pentecostal feast has passed over. What is he? This is actually out of the message. Recognizing God, or Feast of the Trumpets, sorry. And he says, it's passed over. The Pentecostals reject the Bible. The lukewarm, not only the Pentecost, all the rest. The church world rejects Christ and is put on the outside. The same seal when it was opened showed Jesus on the outside trying to get in. At the same time, the trumpet sounds for the Jews. And the Jews recognize the atonement. Oh, it's so much coming together. The Holy Spirit has been bound by these denominational rivers for almost 2,000 years, but it is to be loosed in the evening time by Christ in the church again, revealed in human flesh. He said, he promised it. Jesus tells the disciples, go and take the donkey and loose the donkey. Now, Listen, they could have done it under their own power. But when God says it, now they're under an anointing. When God says, come out of her, my people, you're under a direct call. When he speaks to you in a service, make your life right. Don't wait anymore. You're under a direct call. Friends, we are anointed for the day and the hour we believe in. Why Christ speak? It anoints us. When we live in the last days, to find out all these signs that are taking place, when we see the political powers, the nature of the people, the demoralization of the world, listen to how Brother Aaron says this, why? Like it was in Jesus' time, all the city was moved, but many were asking, who is this? So was it in this time, Brother Bram says, Jack Moore in the church in Louisiana they publish a message, fast, pray, fast, pray. Why do they do it? They are moved. They feel the pull of the hour, but they have not recognized the awakening of the bride. 
So there's people being moved. Nations are being moved. But in every age, Brother Branham has an, a group of people. Brother Branham says the, the Lord has a people that are ordained to see it. And to say, as it unfolds, it awakens something else in us. Listen, I, I'm glad I awoke when I did. But I'm glad that there's something that's still awakening when I see these things. Not just when I see them out there, but when I see them in here. Oh my goodness, help me Lord just to finish this thought. He says, now the Holy Spirit back in the church. Leviticus 23, after the long period of Pentecost, which Israel saw, he called the Gentile church through the Pentecostal feast. The first fruit of the harvest, the first fruit of the resurrection. Don't miss this, people. Listen close. This has been the time of the Pentecostal feast. The Jews have laid silent. They rejected it. Now, he says, after a long period in Pentecost, which ends in the calling out of the bride, the bride is called out by a servant. And he says... The rejected now goes to the Feast of Atonement. There's two feasts, actually. Leviticus 16 is just the recognition of it. And Brother Banham refers to this. I, 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 if you want these, I'll give you these after. I'm sorry to rush this. Oh my, this will be the trumpet. The feast be rejected. Then their Messiah made known. No. Now let's take this. Just, just to bring this in. Because there is, we're under his wings. But we're being drawn into a chamber. What is the last feast? The Feast of Tabernacles. Seven days shall you make an offering by fire. Now, if you actually look at all the other feasts, they all refer to... And then the next day, the first day of the week, is how it's always referred to, except when it comes down to this feast. And when it comes to this feast, it says now, on the eighth day... Why? It's a continuation of all that's already been started. The last feast, we're, we're being ushered into eternity. He says, now, on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation. The eighth day, now there's only seven, but here's the eighth day, back to the first day. Why? It speaks of eternity. She rolls around without a stopping place. Amen, he says. Now also on this eighth day, the feast day, after the last complete seven days, there's a millennium, this holy conversation. This is a feast of tabernacles, tabernacles, gathering places. Tabernacles. It's called Sukkot, the feast of tabernacles. They build little booths, a little dwelling place, a little place, a little chamber that they go into. It's not part of their daily life, but it's a little chamber that they come into. And I will say, there is the broad framework of the message. You can listen here, you can listen there, but there needs to be a place where it's you and him, where it's a young person in him, where it's a mother and father in him, where it's every one of us in him. That needs to be there. Now he says, they gather together in this little room. What are they doing? It's the last feast. There's been the feast of barley, the feast of wheats. Now it's the feast of first fruits, of the fruits, the gathering in of all the fruits. You have this feast. This is in, in actually in Israel. They make a little thing like this. And you know what? It's not a permanent dwelling. It's a temporal dwelling. They make this feast. Here it is, a little table, a little place. The world is shut out. It's just me and God. What's it typing? The Jews haven't come to, they, they observe this in recognition. But we come to this right as they're coming to their trumpets and atonement. We're coming into this place. Let me move quickly. Egypt. 
These are pictures from Brother John and Sister Hannah's honeymoon. <laughs> Sorry. The Great Pyramid. They call it a different pyramid. It, if you take all the dimensions, what you see on the outside, it's perfect. There's a part that the whole world can see. It's perfect. But inside, there's all these chambers. There's these lines. One line reads up and looks to a certain star system. Another one looks to another star system. It was all done perfectly. Who built it? Enoch. Who was there? Listen, we often refer to, to Enoch and Noah. We say Noah when he saw that Enoch was gone. And we don't understand how that works in time frame. But you know what? Enoch was the catalyst for Noah. Noah was a type of those that are carried through the tribulation, but Enoch was the catalyst. So what is it? Inside this great pyramid, you come in, there's a certain entrance, you come through this narrow chamber, then there's this great hall which has seven steps that come down. Seven steps. And at the end of seven steps, there's a great step. The last great step, they call it. Now Enoch was writing a Bible. He was writing out what we are living so Enoch comes to this place, and here's the last step. It's about 36 to 38 inches. What I hear, when you look at all the diagrams, I'm just going quickly. You cannot make that step on your own. Somebody has to lift you up there. Somebody has to bring you into that place. And when you come to that place, you make a step, and there's a chamber that's here. And if you take the circumference of that chamber, it's 365 how many years did Enoch live on the earth? 365. Now, theologians, scientists have all said, Enoch understood that the earth had 365 days. I will say it was greater than that. Amen. Enoch understood, I'm in my 365th year. I am at the center of the vision. It's my time. It's hidden to all the earth. And he's right in that little circle. And if you, the next place, you got to drop down humility to come into the chamber of the king. Now, what does all of this type out so perfectly? Look, 365.25 degrees, an exact representation. You drop down, you go into this chamber. When you leave this, there's, this, there's these stones, they fall down behind you. You're sealed in. Friends, where are we? We're, we're not in seven church ages. We're here. And with humility, we're moving into the king's chamber. This is the opening. This is the hall that goes in. This is the grand hall, all these steps. At the end of it is seven chambers. This is the king's chamber. When they discovered it, it was an empty tomb. There never had been anybody laid to rest there. It was an empty tomb. What does it represent? Our king is not dead. He is alive and risen forevermore. He is alive. Oh my. Okay. Stop the PowerPoint there. Let's have the musicians come. I need to draw two more scriptures to your attention. Is that all right? Oh my goodness. Lord, help me. <laughs> Jesus. Now, let me just say this. Okay. Ruth chapter 2. We referred to this at the beginning. And she's saying, Ruth chapter 2, she makes a decision. She comes with Naomi. She's with Naomi, which is a type of the Jewish people. And they've lost their inheritance. They went and they did things wrong. They were in, in, out of their land, out of their inheritance. 
But in the middle of all of this, God, God sees a little woman named Ruth, a Gentile, and within her is something she doesn't even know what affected her, but she made this decision when her husband died, when her, even her, her sister-in-law didn't go with it, and she says, I will go with you. Your God will be my God. Next thing, she finds herself in the field of Boaz. She's in the field of Boaz, and now something is coming together. There was this little law of a kinsman redeemer, and it was there for the person that couldn't wait till the year of Jubilee, and it allowed a kinsman redeemer. If you actually want to, want to take a look at this, the year of the Jubilee is after seven, or 70 times seven, but the kinsman redeemer could come any time in between. Now, at the end of 7,000 years, God will bring a full redemption to the land. He'll bring a full redemption. But now there's a group of people under the power of a kinsman redeemer still in the sixth day. We are not in the seventh day. We're, we can take it 6,000 years, but we're in 6,000-year time frame. But we're under the power of a kinsman redeemer. And the kinsman redeemer, he says to her in, 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 in chapter 2. Oh, my goodness, I didn't. Okay, here we are. A full reward under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now I've taken this the last two services, but we read where she comes and now she's instructed by Naomi, you, you've got more that you're blessed with. You don't even know what's happening to you. And we didn't recognize what was happening to, but we had a prophet come back and point us to the word, the Jewish types, the Jewish traditions, and there's a picture that's starting to form. Friends, there's a picture that's forming. It's happening right now. And he says, and he tells her, go to, his, go to his feet. She tells him, mark the place. And so it's at the harvest time. Nobody's around. She lays at his feet. What is she symbolizing? You're my head. Put your garment over me. What is it? It's, he's going to redeem Naomi. He has the power to do it. But he really is desiring this Gentile woman of character. And he says now as she lays there, she comes in and she comes out with all of these measures of barley and she comes home. She's been identified as Ruth the gleaner. Well, Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the gleaner. Ruth, uh, finally now she comes and Naomi says, who are you? I am all that he has said the I am. I am his bride. Who said that to her? It wasn't Ruth. It wasn't Naomi. It was him. Friends, the only way we'll know is if he, he makes it real to us. And now what did she do? Now she enters rest. Why? She had a secret from the chamber that nobody knew nothing about. And she rested because he's now going up to stand in the gate of the elders He's coming to make a declaration. I'm redeeming all that Naomi lost, but I'm also taking Ruth the Moabite with me. What is he doing in the end time? Standing, taking the seven-sealed book. What was in the book? My lost inheritance. My name was in there, but he's taking and he's wiping it out. Oh, there's so much I could get into. I'll have to save it for some time. If we can see where we're at. The world's being brought to a place, but so are we. I'm so glad I'm here. Let's stand together. Thank you for giving me grace this morning. Thank the Lord for his word, for his time.
Oh, it's so tremendous. It's unfolding before us. <laughs> oh, what a day. What a day. What a day. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Brother Ray, you sang this song before, Amazing Grace. Not the other one, but the, the uh, Amazing Gr- That's the one. Can you sing that again, please? <coughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Change. 